Welcome back, everybody. I'm Noel. I'm Corey, and this is the CNC replay. It is. Chris is out. Uh, holiday stuff. So, uh, first of all, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year, all those good things. Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Lahaim, Lahaim, yes. Shalomi, my homie. I don't know if I'm allowed <laughs> to say that. Okay. Am I allowed to say that? I don't know. It's all in good fun. Yes. Regardless. Yeah, Chris is off on on holiday stuff. He's, he's getting married a, now. Get, I guess he is married now. He's getting a couple weeks to relax, which I guess we should also mention. We will not be here next week. Um, there will be no episode. We're all very busy, unless yes. some miracle happens and we re- can record in person. Because we'll yes. all be in Detroit at the same time for the first time in forever. Funny yeah, enough, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb saying probably would not be able to happen. But you know, oh, probably doing. not. I'm just saying. Christmas miracles. Christmas miracles. Honestly, there might not even be a whole lot to talk about given. Uh, some of the, certain, the state of the world, the state of the world, which we'll talk yeah. about a little bit later. And also, like Christmas break, I mean, players aren't playing as much, so we'll just we'll have a Q and A, we'll have a live Q and A with the four people that listen. <laughs> Brecken, and... Brecken in the background. Hey! <laughs> What's your favorite color? <laughs> Blue. Blue. Yeah, we shift from a bad weekend in Detroit sports to possibly one of the best weekends in Detroit sports in recent. Possibly months. one of the best weekends. Yeah. I had my buddy uh, text me, and he was saying, "Like, is this the is this the best regular season, or is this the best, the biggest win for the Detroit Lions in their history?" And I thought about it for a minute, and it's like you could almost make a case, which is really sad, but also kind of <laughs> cool. The fact of the matter is, Arizona Cardinals were a ten-win team coming into Detroit. They were undefeated on the road, mm-hmm. um, and the Lions as horrible as they are for most days, were shorthanded due to the COVID nature of things. And then also injuries. Hawkinson was, uh, had surgery on his thumb. So he's out for the rest of the year. We don't know what Swift's, uh, injury will be. Is he, is he concussion or is it shoulder? I don't know. I don't know that I've ever seen like official. I'm sure it's out there, but I don't know that I have the official on that. Let me go look. Um, well, regardless, he, you want to keep him, you want to keep him uh, as healthy as possible. Um, excuse me. Um, Cardinals are 10, 10 and 3 at the time. Uh, and the Lions are 11 or 1, 11, and 1. <laughs> Can you imagine if we were 11 and 1? Whoa. Whoa. Uh, blow my socks off. Fact of the matter is, the Lions beat a 10 win team by, what was it, 18 points? Uh, it was 12 to 30. Yeah, 18 points. They beat them by 18 points. points. They they didn't just beat them. They, they stomped them. Yeah. Which, uh, I didn't watch the game, so I don't know if it actually looked like a stomping on screen oh, or if oh, both teams just kind of, like, were oh, losing it. Oh, no. It was... It was... They popping off? They were popping off. So, Amar, Am- Amarie, yeah. our cornerback, he's getting Pro Bowl votes. Like, yeah. There's a whole Pro Bowl campaign for him. He has been very, very good. And he had, I think he, he had a diving interception. I don't know if, I can't remember if he had two, but he had a diving interception off of Murray, um, and A.J. Green kind of just didn't have a, it, it, he, he didn't come towards the ball. He just kind of was like, ah, oh, I'm giving up on the play. And then Amari is just like, I'm going to die for this ball. And he dove, and he returned it for like 40 yards. Um 
he's been playing ex- exceptionally well, and he was a uh, he he was a he was a late round cornerback um, from either last year or this year um, draft pick um, coming into his own. And you're gonna ex- you're <laughs> please extend him because the last time the Lions didn't extend a a uh, top talent NFL cornerback, uh, they traded him for a bag of beans and uh, some bacon grease. So nothing amounted to that. Uh, really like his play. And I, I, I was telling Noel before the show, I'm going to talk about the Lions in a positive and negative light from here on out. Um, so this will this is the this is the beginning of the positive. Amari played gate. Jared Goff, just to, he must have listened to the podcast last week because we're like, how, do, how does he have that such a legendary Monday night game against one of the best teams in the NFL, throws for four touchdown passes, and then just looks like he looks like in Detroit. Goff controlled controlled uh, pace, pace of play. Um, he looked comfortable in the pocket, dare I say, uh, and he looked like a he looked like an NFL quarterback. Go figure! Wow, wow, the, guy, the bar is so low. The bar is so low, but no, he had he had a really good game, uh, and he if, he very well may win NFC Player of the Week again, um, <laughs> which is oh, is, no. is is it it. it it's an it's a Lions thing that just doesn't make sense because Jared Goff can have now like twelve games where he just looks horrendous, and then he has two games where he's like the NFC's best quarterback, which doesn't. I'm not saying that that's the case. I, I'm just saying that wow, holy smokes, can we get more consistency, please? Or even not even consistency, can we just get mediocre play for those like the other games, and then maybe we can figure out ways to win more than two games and tie one game while we're this late into the season. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying. But Jared Goff looked great. Um, uh, Reynolds, the receiver Reynolds, um, has he, he's built some chemistry with him. I believe he had a touchdown as well. Amon St. Brown um, has the Lions rookie reception record right now and counting. Um, go him. Go him. Uh, that's like, I think he's got 20 more receptions right now than Calvin Johnson did in his rookie season, which I mean, I'm not going to compare the two because they're completely not comparable. However, the fact that you passed the greatest wide receiver in Detroit Lions history in your rookie season in some sort of stat, you got to mention it. You at least have to mention it. So good right. for He's him. probably feeling good about that. Yeah, he's feeling good. And honestly, I feel like that's a pretty quiet, because um, I think it's 67 receptions, 67 or 61, I'm not sure. I was looking at the graphic. And then I know Calvin Johnson had 47. So he has over he has over 10, 10 more than Calvin Johnson did in his rookie season with a few more games to play. Um, so it's been fairly quiet because I was pretty high on Amon Ra St. Brown uh, coming out of this draft. I, I was like, that's a great pick. A lot of people were saying he fell, um, should have been taken higher, and the Lions got him and... I was always like kind of scratching my head, like why don't they use him more in in the offense? Like why isn't he getting more receptions or whatever? And then he'll pop off for a couple games, and now he's like, oh, he has a rookie record in Lions history for receptions. Like, just kind of, I don't know. It's surprising to me, but also, I guess it feels good for me to see that he's breaking this record. And I was like, hey, this guy's gonna you be like to be good. vindicated. Is I like really to be what we're getting at here. Yes. Okay. And, but all all of that aside. Now, the wide receiving room, which we thought wasn't a strong suit, 
is beginning to develop a little bit here. The wheels are the wheels are turning, and then obviously you know how I feel about Khalif Raymond. Um, he's still a, a important piece here um, as well. And then once you get Hawkinson back, and maybe another tight end who's somewhat capable. I know we've had we've been thrown in a couple guys who have been pretty serviceable, but we've like it's kind of a revolving door. Like it's this guy one week, the next guy whatever. Um, maybe you can develop those weapons. I don't know. I have no clue. Um, Craig Reynolds. Dude's a freak. Dude's dude's a ball player. Um, he had a hundred. He had hundred and twenty yards rushing yesterday. The guy who signed off of a practice squad three weeks ago had hundred and twenty. And not not to mention he's the third Lions running back this year, or I guess the second Lions running back to have a hundred yard rushing game. DeAndre Swift did it twice. Um, may, maybe he maybe Jamal. Uh, Jamal Williams did it. Um, I don't think he did. I think he was pretty close one week. So it's happened three times where you've had a 100-yard rusher. This was something that we had always complained about for the Matthew Stafford-led Lions. We could never get a 100-yard rusher to at least get the defense honest and open up some more options in the passing game. That never happened. I think think it happened like... um, I don't. I, I want to say it happened ten times, but I think that's too much. For for in during Stafford's tenure, I think it was less than ten times. But Stafford's record in those games was like six wins, six out of the ten, or six out of the whatever. When you had a hundred yard rusher, I cannot stress enough how important it is to have an established rushing game in the NFL. It's a passing league. I understand, but if you have a if you have a solid rushing game, you can do essentially whatever you want. Look at the Saturday game uh, uh, in the NFL. It was Patriots, um, Colts. Jonathan Taylor's probably a top three MVP candidate right now, playing up against one of the best rush defenses in the league against the Patriots. He rushed for 169 yards in that game. Carson Wentz had 57 passing yards. Now, I'd still much rather have Carson Wentz than Jared Goff, but Carson Wentz had 57 passing yards, and they beat the New England Patriots. Uh, I think it was it was 27 to 14, something like that. You cannot sit there and tell me how, how not important a rushing game is when your starting quarterback of, your, of the winning team only had 57 passing yards. This is so crucially important. And Craig Reynolds just came off of the bench and did it in his first two starts. Or I don't know. He didn't get 100 yards rushing in his first start. But in his second start, he surpassed that benchmark. His second start. Crazy to think about. Just absolutely crazy to think about. And that's with the development of the offensive line. Penny Sewell is a freak of nature. He's like, he's, 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 he's a dog in the good sense of the word. Like, an absolute an absolute animal. And it was very clear that the Cardinals were not prepared for the one-win Detroit Lions. And the Lions made them pay. They established the run. They bullied them. They were able to pass the ball. Craig Reynolds had 121 rushing yards. Jared Goff had three passing touchdowns. Those things are connected. 
absolutely connected. Look at look at the Sunday night game. Tom Brady got shut out for the first time in like 10 years or something crazy like that. They could not establish the run all game. And they got shut out. So if it's if it's so important for the greatest quarterback of all time to have an established running game, it's equally, if not more important, for a less talented Detroit Lions team to do that. So as far as as far as football analysis, what what a shellacking. They 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 destroyed the Cardinals, and I believe this was the biggest margin of victory for a one-win team against a double-digit win team in NFL history, I believe. I don't think this has ever happened. Like, I saw a stat from, like, the NFL stat people or whatever on Twitter. It's like, yeah, this has never happened before. The Lions did it. So it's just like, of course the Lions did it because you wouldn't expect the Lions to do it, and this is something stupid that they would do. They would get, they would beat the 10-win team when they only have one win. So that's, that's all of the good stuff, and I'll keep it really brief. I want you to talk about this too. That's all the good stuff. Love that. We're developing. We're, the defense looks great. Um, play calling, when it, when it works, it works. When you, when you have all these things established, it's like it, you need kind of things to fall into place perfectly for it to work. But when it works, it works. Um, on the flip side, the, the locker room, we love to see all the stuff with Campbell, how fired up the guys are in the locker room. That's awesome. We love to see that. However, when is this going to happen for a game that um, when when is this going to happen for games that matter? Be, because you did beat a ten win team at home late into the season, but that was only your second win of the year, which is not good. <laughs> which is but that. That's cool. That's fine. That's awesome that we got the win. And we got a win in that fashion. That game doesn't matter. It Mm-mm. doesn't. Mm-mm. It doesn't because of your performance in the first half of the year. It does not matter whether you won or lost that game. As a matter of fact, it hurts you to win this game. Because right. now you no longer have the number one overall pick. That goes to Jacksonville. Now, I don't, I'll never be the guy that... Maybe I will. I don't know. Um <laughs> Most of the time, I will not be the guy that will root for my team to lose. But if it's the Lions, most likely, yeah, because you need some talent. Now, they're going to still pick top five, top three probably, so they're going to get some talent wherever that is. But you want a game in December against a really good team. That doesn't matter at the end of the day. So, I mean, I'm happy, but until we get to that point where this game in December matters... Uh, it's it'll feel nice to an extent. Yeah. So we have all these positive things. They're improving. That's great. But they're also improving in games that don't mean anything in the right. grand scheme of the in the grand scheme of the NFL. And I was there's a guy I follow from Cornerstone. He was talking about how it still blows my mind that this team fired Jim Caldwell when they were on the cusp of building something uh, consistent. I mean, Caldwell was only here for two years, and he made the playoffs in... Or Caldwell was only here for four years. He made the playoffs in two of those seasons. And -hmm. I believe he had one or maybe no losing record. Mm -hmm. And he got got canned for Patricia. Mm -hmm. And we saw how well that worked out. So well? What are you talking about? So well. So, uh, this is great. 
I love it. I love wins. I love this. I love the Lions feel good, whatever. And the NFL is talking about like, man, these players love their coach. They play really. They they were playing inspired football today. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's play inspired football week one. Let's play inspired football week five when we won our first four games or three games you know let's be in the hunt let's let's be in the graphic in the hunt but not just like oh the lions are in the hunt they might do like let's like this lions team if you don't show up like it's like the tigers if you don't show up with your with your a game this team's gonna punch you in the mouth and i and frankly they punched arizona in the mouth but let's do that when the games matter please how many places did they get back down in the draft they're they're there the second two? yeah okay. because what it, Jackson, i guess they jacksonville don't know what draft class looks like this time or this jacksonville year, so. lost to uh houston who only had two wins so now houston okay. has three then the lions have two but they have the tie therefore they don't have as many losses as jacksonville so jacksonville would okay. need lions would need to like lose out and jacksonville would need to win one game i don't think jacksonville's gonna win another game this year Ugh. so um I, I don't know. The Lions yeah. will be picking top three. Right. Because they play the Packers. Um, Packers are going to beat them. Or maybe they won't. I don't know. Because they might bench the starters. At this point. Or what does be... draft class look like this year? I've only been focusing on those those defensive ends. Okay. Um, I could maybe see the Lions take a quarterback with the Rams pick late. Mm-hmm. But I also don't want them to do that. They just need they need help everywhere. I think offensively is where you need the least amount of help. Um, mm-hmm. So defensively, their their secondary has played actually pretty well. Um, they need a pass rusher desperately. So maybe if they're not in the top two, maybe you try to trade. I don't I don't know how you do that though. Um, they need a pass rusher. Um, they need some help with linebackers, and then also having more secondary could help. If they, if I'll just say this: if the Lions went full secondary or full defense for this entire draft, I wouldn't be upset. Okay. Maybe throw like maybe throw another receiver in there. You don't need any more running backs. Craig Reynolds just proved that you can pull some random guy off the street and you can ha- turn him into a hundred yard rusher in the mm-hmm. NFL right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how well this offensive line has been, and how well this scheme has been working for the Lions. Um, maybe another wide receiver just to bring up that talent pool, but you can get wide receivers, I think, are almost a dime a dozen. You can sign somebody to bring them in, and he would improve that room. Um, but yeah, defense. Okay. Any other thoughts? I know I, I talked way too much. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have a ton of thoughts. I didn't get to watch the game, so I guess that's probably why I don't have, um, sure. A ton to say, but it it was nice to see that win. The the numbers kept going up on the notifications on my phone, and I was like, "Hold on, <laughs> did they have this mislabeled? Because this feels wrong." <laughs> I had I had like a youth event, and my roommate texted me the score. I'm like, "What?" I like, "I gotta get home." Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I I was I was shocked, and I got home, and I was like, I was still in that you know really pessimistic state. I'm like, there's a lot of time. There's for them so to much lose time. This game. There's then, so much time. Even when it was five minutes in the fourth and they were up by like three scores, I'm like, hey, just you wait. Just you wait. And then anything can happen. Anything can happen. Um, anything negative can happen right. to this team. At any time. But it didn't. It didn't. And they were they were more prepared. Um, they 
dare I say, well coached. Um, mm-hmm. And they played with a chip on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. And uh, that resulted in a win. Now let's see if we can do that next year. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. All righty. On to our dear Piston players, Pistons team. I, I, I think I tweeted that out. Or no, maybe I told you that. This, <laughs> the Lions have more wins than the Pistons in the month of December. Correct. They do. I don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) Pistons play about three games a week. Yeah, I know. Lions only play one. The the percentage is wild. Now, to be fair, the Pistons are the youngest team in the NBA, like by far. Um, And they have literally no veteran presence on this team right now. Absolutely none. And the veteran presence that they have on this team is coming off the bench. Um, So... That's a recipe for disaster, and the reason why the Pistons only have five wins this year. So, mm-hmm. um, not good, and they lost 14 straight um, coming into Sunday night's game with uh, the Heat. Mm-hmm. But, as we all know, losing streaks have to come to an end at some point, and the Pistons beat a Jimmy Butler-less Miami Heat team mm-hmm. at I home. think specifically what you tweeted was nobody beats the Pistons 14 times in a row. Nobody. Nobody not beats a, the Pistons not anybody. 14 times in a row. Not not a single one. Um, but I will say, I got to watch that game closely. That was an entertaining game. Um, Frank Jackson coming off the bench is pretty good. I would say that he would get some, some looks at the trade deadline. I think I don't know what you would get. You're not going to get a first-round pick for him. If you want second-round picks, sure, maybe, or maybe you flip and get another young guy that you can build around. But Frank Jackson was like, he was the veteran presence coming off the bench. Um, yes, and, he was it. And he, I mean, he looked, he looked, he looked pretty good. Um, Corey Joseph also probably was mad about what we were saying about Saban Lee last week, and he played pretty well. Um, I think he was third on the team in points. Cape Cunningham did not have a good game, or at least points-wise. Um, however, I do remember play late, late in the game. Uh, Pistons were pressing, like Presty, um, and they stole the ball, tipped it, whatever, did you know the whole circus act thing. And Cape Cunningham ended up with it. He was, you know, drove down the court, two or three Miami Heat defenders at the rim, and uh, just bullied his like the kind of bully thing that you'd see LeBron James do, and you know, and one gets the bucket, and that was a pretty important piece because the Heat were coming back. Heat were seemingly on fire from three-point at second half, and the Pistons definitely were not, but they were continuing to shoot. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, it was just one of those things where they finally had to get a win, and they played well enough to do it. Uh, I mean, if you look at the, the plays graph on the on the app, it you know has who had possession, who was doing stuff, right? Yeah. In... The first three quarters of the first period, Detroit pretty staunchly had the ball. And then mm-hmm. all the way up until the middle of the third, it was Miami. Yep. Like, fully just, they had they had the control. And then, I don't know what turned on, but then Detroit controlled when it mattered. You know? They, they got to close. So, it's, yeah. it's an interesting... I, I don't know. I think it's just interesting to see how that progresses over over gameplay. Is like you kind of fall apart in the middle, like it's completely uneven. Um, 
and then they somehow pulled it out and figured it out at the end to yeah. where they got where they got the win. Yeah. Um, Diallo played great. It seemed like we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Um, that conversation he had with Dwayne Casey um, really seemed to step his game up. Uh, he was second in points that night, um, and he was a starter. He played 30 minutes, um, and he was 7, seven of 10 from mm-hmm. the field. Pretty good, I'd say. Um, yeah. That's not bad. Uh, Sadiq Bay was 50% from three. And he's just looked like a completely different player. And, like, that that's where the coaching aspect comes in because, like, Casey was like, hey, we might send him down. But also, Sadiq needs to be Sadiq. He's a good player. Yep. He just needs to gain some confidence yep. and boom. So he changed something. The Pistons Twitter is saying uh, headband Sadiq is unstoppable. As soon as, he, <laughs> as soon as he put on the headband, like, he, he's been making every single shot on this side of the this side of the planet. So that's encouraging. They're starting to get more production. And this was a game where Cunningham – this is a game where the Pistons won, and Cunningham only had four points. Which is not good. Well, it's... I mean, for him. For him, it's not for good. For him, it's but, not good. But for the Pistons, that's great. Because you can see mm-hmm. that a supporting cast can, you know, begin to stretch the ball a little bit more, open right. up some lanes, and then also if you have another guy who can put the put the biscuit in the basket, you're going to be successful mm-hmm. in this league. And if Bay can... can off, everything will always be consistency, right? Jared right. Goff can be NFC Player of the Week two weeks, and then he can look like he doesn't know how to play the quarterback position at all in another week. Um, so if Bay can at least be a guy that you can lean on, as well as Cunningham when he has mm-hmm. or has you know his superstar night or an off night. Mm-hmm that's when you'll begin to see a few more wins. Now, the Pistons are still a very small team. Um, Olenek not being there really hurts them right now. Um, and they're they're playing small, which you know opens up just a, a, a plethora of issues down in the paint. Um, mm-hmm. And honestly, probably uh, hurts development a little bit too uh, with some of the some of the younger guys. I. I say that with a grain of salt, as in to say, um, if you have a veteran on the bench, you know, or I guess he's still on the bench, but like still, like you can see like in real time what this guy is doing in the post. It's like, oh, maybe I should do that or something like that. But right. if you're the if right. you're the main guy out there playing thirty minutes a night, you don't necessarily get that you know that live film session um, immediately because you have to go out and play. You have to go out and mm-hmm. do it. Now you mm-hmm. can get that after the game. But also, it's it's a lot better to see it in real time than it is to not, or to see it like on replay. Everybody would agree. Like if you can see it like in action, like it's with, with hockey, right? People don't understand how fast paced of a game hockey is until they see it live. Yeah, so there, you, there's absolutely. an element there when you get to see somebody else doing that really cool thing. Yeah. Um, so I think that part of the development is hurting, but also getting time and and trial and error so to speak and then mm-hmm. going back to the film room will still help but still having that veteran presence there especially in that position is good because yes. it seems like jeremy grant's hurt but kate cunningham is like dragging this team uh, other than the sunday night game he's dragging this team he's scoring mm-hmm. scoring high 20s and mm-hmm. which is wearing on anybody absolutely <laughs> for a barely 20 year old <laughs> that's that's incredibly wearing Killian yeah. Hayes is getting consistent a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. He hit one three last night, um, and 
Do you know how many attempts he had? Because now I'm curious. Uh, he had three. So he was okay. 33%. He was 33. Um, and then a guy like Saban Lee could also be a good rotation guy as well. I lo- I'm super high on Saban Lee. You know this. Um, I and I was, looking, I was looking at his G League stats. Um, and uh, he's only played seven games in the G League. Um, but if you, I think there's one other guy that has more points per game than him. Um, and he has also played seven games. So, guy, the guy is there. He's right there. He's, he's on the cusp for he's sure. On, he's on the cusp. So yeah, I don't know. It was obviously very good, very good win. Um, mm-hmm. Good to good to get off the off the streak and it, it, string together a few. Don't lose to Houston at home again ever, please. Don't do it. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, get some help. Get some. Get some. I mean, there we talked last week that most likely that. Pistons are going to trade Jeremy Grant, um, which kind of, or did we talk about that? I don't remember. I don't know if we, I think we mentioned it. Maybe we I don't did. Know. But if I we s- didn't, that I is saw, also out there. I saw some insider reports that they're most likely going to trade Jeremy Grant this yes. year, which kind yeah. of stinks, um, but also Jeremy yeah, Grant. I don't love that, but. Jeremy Grant's going to get you first round pick, if not more. Yeah. Um, yes. From whoever's going to offer it to you. Um, yeah. So that's more high end talent to throw in the mix. Um, yeah. And then. With Blake Griffin's contract coming off of the books this year, you now have a ton of money to spend in free agency. So mm-hmm. who you have your superstar that you can pull alongside, and maybe there's a guy that you know wants a payday um, that wouldn't get it someplace else. It's shaping up, and I think that's exactly what Troy Weaver and um, Dwayne Casey were planning on. Um, yeah. So good to get the win. Um, hopefully we see some more. Uh, hopefully... Yeah, I would like more than five wins well, this year. Well, everybody would like more than five wins, wouldn't they? That would be fun. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Just saying. Want to move on to our wings? Dylan Larkin, after seven seasons of being in uh, the highest professional league at this level mm-hmm. um, in the world, got his first hat trick. Woo! Let's it was go! A, it was not a natural hat trick, but it was still gorgeous. Who cares? So that was super exciting to watch. I think I, and I, you know, you never say that they're going to get a hat trick. It's, you know, you just unspoken things. You don't say somebody's going to get a hat trick and you don't say the goalie's going to get a shutout because those two things will never happen if you say them. Um, but once he got a second goal, I was like, Ooh, I'm feeling a hat trick tonight. Like I, 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 in, in my soul, in my spirit, I was like, I think something's going to happen. And then Ken and Mick, once he got it, were like, ah, after seven seasons, this is his first Hat trick, and I was like, "Time out! What? <laughs> There's no way." Turns out it's true. Our hockey grandpas wouldn't lie to us. Um, yeah, Dylan Larkin got his first NHL hat trick. Um, and let me see if I can go find the box score for that, so we can just kind of walk through what that looked like for all of you that who are wondering and caring. Larkin got his hat trick. Bertuzzi had two goals. I really thought, like, I was really gunning for for a double. Hat trick. hat trick night like i was really hoping that would happen it didn't it oh. almost did he was like so close but this still ended up being really like a really fun game kyle oh gosh i'm so sorry about this last name chris colo thank you yes chris colo got his first nhl point which is super exciting thomas grice played great he made he made 32 saves like a plus from that guy um yeah, just all around. I think everybody did a really good job in that game. 
playing like they're supposed to play. Nobody was really blundering, except for the usual suspect, poor well, Danny DeKaiser. He just needs to retire. It's... I know, it's uh, it's like almost pitiful at this point. Um, and I hate that for him, because you want good... We all want good things for him. Yeah. I think he's been around long enough that we kind of have a special place in our hearts. Um, but yeah, it's just... It's sad. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the good things that happened. Um, did we win every game since we last spoke to you? No. We lost uh, by two to the Hurricanes on Thursday. Um, I didn't actually get to watch that game, but we lost. So it's not it's not a good game. No. I watched that game. That was pretty sad. Was that, was sad. The, that was the first game off of uh, the Hurricanes off of like COVID shutdown. Okay. Um, and they they didn't have any of their top guys. Oh, good. So that good. was disappointing. And maybe that, that was disappointing. Maybe that was like some uh, jitters from Ned because I think that was his first game back in Carolina. Sure. Since yeah, the trade, that would do it. I mean that. I mean you have to take that into account. But still, like they just played. They played bad. They should have. They right. they, they should have won that game. They should have uh, had it in the bag. I believe uh, elite sharpshooter Adam Ernie scored a goal in that game. Um, so that's pretty cool. Love that. Highlight. Highlight. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about it. Yep. Um, do yeah. I do I have to say it again, Noel? Do you want to say it? To anyone who thinks that Dylan Larkin <laughs> isn't a top line center in this league, you're wrong. You're you're flat out wrong. You can leave. You can leave. Feel because free to leave. Now it's not like oh Dylan Arkin is such an important piece to a very bad hockey team. Dylan Arkin is the important piece to mm-hmm. a playoff contending hockey team as it stands mm-hmm. right now. Um, Hattrick only proves to show he's not a guy who's going to score fifty goals every year. No, it's just not who he is. Nope. But to tell me that he is a guy who is not worth a third li- or a second line spot on a contending team and he would be at most a third line center on a cup contending team you're you are hopelessly lost my friend mm-hmm. um the team plays better when he's there raymond's development i would argue has a lot to do with dylan larkin if not if everything Raymond to was do, on literally any other line, he would not be where he's at. I would agree 100%. And maybe that's why Philip Zadina has continued to struggle, um, which kind of stinks. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe you just have an experiment and flip the two for a period of time. But also, you don't want to mess with that chemistry no, no. either. So um, Don't screw that up. No, that was a bad idea. Um, Dylan Larkin's an incredibly important piece. Night like that just continues to show mm-hmm. it. And then it continues to show how important of a piece Tyler Bertuzzi is. You've got five goals from two players. Yeah. Think about that for a second. That's like... From your first... Yeah. That's that's a lot. That's either Especially a good thing. Especially since the first line hasn't been producing as much in yeah. recent games. And, and with Bertuzzi not producing specifically. Because he goes on those stretches where he just doesn't find the back of the net. And then he'll like yep. explode for a couple here and there. Um, but you've got five goals from two players. Usually that means you're going to win, but also that's an issue in the fact that, like, if you can't get production out of another like another line, then that's going to mm-hmm. not end well. But still, mm-hmm. that a night like that shows how important those two players are to this team. And For sure. With we've talked about in the past, you can't just disregard. Oh, 
you can't just disregard a guy like a Larkin. Oh, he doesn't score a whole lot, and he's not worth the spot on the team. Or a guy like Bertuzzi with his, whether you agree with it or not, vaccination status, so you should just trade him away. Nights like that show you that you cannot just throw those, you're, that you can't just stick with those narratives because yep. those guys are important. I don't care how you slice it. And good for Dylan Larkin. It was a, it was a rowdy night. I watched the highlights. Um, place was packed. That was great. Yeah. Maybe. Really <laughs> Maybe it was great that it was <laughs> packed, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but yeah, good way to cap off uh, a victory weekend where all three of the active uh, Detroit sports teams pulled out a win, which hasn't happened in forever. We talked about it a little bit before. Um, we went from one of the worst weekends in Detroit sports recent memory to one of the best um, mm-hmm. in simply a week. Oh, that's all that it took. Um, so that's fun. Such um, is the roller coaster of professional sports. Such is the roller coaster of Detroit sports, at least in yeah. in the fair. Uh, fair, fair. in the late 2010s and early 2020s. But um, yeah, what else is there to say? I mean, they they pulled out a good win and they were shorthanded too. Um, with a couple of pieces on the bottom six being out, and then guys like Chris Colo gets first point. So, mm-hmm. and then more things no, to celebrate. Yeah, more things to celebrate. Coaching staff was even depleted. So, <laughs> right, right. We still had. Don't worry. We still had the bald men behind the bench. Yes, it was just a different, different group of bald men. <laughs> different groups of bald men. Different Lex Luther lookalikes. Jeez, <laughs> good lord. Um. Also, for all of you who care, because this is something that I am watching pretty religiously, um, the rookie player, the rookie player leaderboard. Um, that should just Raymond. be like your bet, like for the rest of this season, like, like Noel, can we get an update from the rookie point board, please? Sure. And Here we you go. Just, you just pull it out. Lucas Raymond, twenty-eight points in thirty-one games, ten goals, eighteen assists. Trevor Zegers, twenty-five points in thirty games, eight goals, seventeen assists. Mo Sider in place number three, 21 points, 31 games, three goals, 10 assists. Love to see it. I love, I love it. I love that run. I love those three. Trevor Zegers deserves where he to be where he is. That being said, do I think that Lucas Raymond should win the Calder? Yes. Do I think that Mo Sider is going to get Norris votes? I If he doesn't, I'm going to be, I'm going to be mad because you didn't watch this. But the the between the legs feed pass, like backwards feed pass that he had for Butuzzi to get his goal, I, it was one of the prettiest assists I've ever seen, Corey. It was dude, so dude, it was so good. It was so good. Is I, it is that assist better than the Ovechkin goal where he's falling down and he turns and he he like well, no, of course not. That's iconic. Well, yeah. That, like, people have been trying to, like, I've seen videos of hockey players try to recreate that. Like, I don't know. It's not up to that point. But it, for a rookie, for a rookie defenseman, that's insane. That's crazy. Yeah. So, it's just, it's all around a good time. At least this last, the last couple games have been all around a good time. You're on mute. I cannot hear a word you're saying. Well, for those of you who care, uh, I can no longer hear Corey. I don't know what happened, but he has muted himself and he's died. So, Ben, if you're listening, we're struggling at the moment. All right. I should be back. There you are. He's back. I don't know what that was (laughs) all about. Maybe it was my time to be quiet. 
forever, I guess. <laughs> but no, yeah. Uh, yeah, keep that momentum going. Um, it, it's, I mean, it's kind of like wash, rinse, repeat. Um, Larkin yep. does something cool. Bertuzzi does something cool. The the kids are all right at the top of the rookie point leaderboard and figuring out ways to learn how to win. Um, and mm-hmm. again, Red Wings are a completely different team at home. 100%. Yeah. They need, 100%. need, need to figure that out if they're going to be successful in this league. Um, however, um, this will be the last time we will be watching the Wings for a period of time because they are currently on pause for COVID protocols. I think immediately after that game, they took <laughs> off. Well, Zadina, right before puck drop, was was put in yep. the protocol. He got booted. And then I think after that game, several others, several went, others down. went down. I think Rasmussen is on the list. Um, Rasmussen was one of the first, I think. He was with Fabry. After the game? No, he was before that game. Yeah. Was he? He Rasmussen and... Oh, no, no, no. He had had the goal in the Islanders. Never mind. Um, So, this is... I think I saw a stat, too, that a quarter of the teams are in pause during the holiday break. Which, honestly, if you... You hear that, you're like, oh, gosh, this is horrible. And it's like, well, not really, because I think, like, the last game scheduled was, like, Monday or Tuesday for the Wings. Um, and then for most of the league, that's kind of how it is, too. There's only one game tonight, uh, and that's between Dallas and Minnesota. Um, mm. So that game's going to get played, and I think the league is just going to be like, hey, we're going to not play for a week, which is fine. Figure it out. Um, but as we've seen, I sent, I sent Noel this as well. Uh, some of the players are beginning to, um, some of the players are beginning to, I don't want to say question, but like getting a little frustrated with some of the protocols. Um, and then Eisenman came out in this press conference. It's like, Hey, like we've been telling our players to, you know, do everything that they can to play. No one's really complained about the way things are going on, but to us, it doesn't, at least from you know, his team's perspective, our guys who are, who have tested positive have no symptoms. Um, right. And if they do, it's very mild and he's a GM. So he's talking with other teams and he's like, I, I can, I can probably confidently say that that's a lot. So we see this number 120 something teams or players in COVID protocol around the leagues. And then it's probably worse in the NFL. The NFL moved games around this weekend. Um, uh, to try to prevent these things. And uh, the NBA was ahead of the curve, I suppose. And they're, uh, <laughs> I know the Bulls had a huge issue, but now they're like mostly clean um, and uh, figured out their stuff. But regardless, all these people who, and these sports leagues are 90 to 95% vaccinated. And the people who are testing positive are have little to no symptoms. Um, so I know the NFL has now put in place enhanced protocols, whatever that means. But also I saw ESPN say that they will no longer test vaccinated players unless they're showing symptoms. That's something that Eisenman wanted. That's something that uh, most players are wanting because Baker Mayfield, starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, he can't play tonight and isn't playing tonight because he tested positive, but he has zero symptoms. And he's just testing right. positive. Um, we talked about this before the pod. We don't want to make this any bit political at all. That's not what we're here for. Um, and 
I guess my saying is like, um, I mean, I would I would agree with these with these guys. If you have a bunch of players who aren't sick mm-hmm. um, and who are taking the precautions, being vaccinated, doing all this stuff, essentially there's no side effects for them being an asymptomatic carrier. Um, so everyone's arguing to let them play. And the people who are pushing back is like, well, what about the other personnel that, you know, are affected or, you know, are talking with the team? Number one, they are fully vaccinated as well. Um, number two, um, what about outside of the NFL bubble? There's no bubble right now for any of these professional sports. So all of these people um, who work for these teams have to go home. They have to go to the grocery store. They have to go get gas or car, whatever it is. And they're brushing shoulders with people like myself, Noel, who are not professional athletes and are not getting tested every day. So mm-hmm. I, we want to talk about, or I guess I shouldn't speak for, for you, but we, we talked before. Um, looking at this strictly from a, I don't want to say logical, but like a regular guy standpoint, um, mm-hmm. what difference does it make if we're brushing shoulders with regular people who are vaccinated, asymptomatic, and are, could test positive at any given moment, um, but we're mm-hmm. still going out because we're not sick. If you're not sick, you don't, you don't stay at home. You continue with your life. Now, if you are sick, you stay home, you get healthy, you take the precautions, and hopefully you stay out of the hospital too, which is still a concern. Um, But for guys who aren't sick and for leagues that are over 90% vaccinated, which is better than the rest of this country can say, what harm does it do to let them play if they have no symptoms? So could get some heat for that very well, but I'm only, I guess, agreeing with some of what now executives are beginning to say. If players are vaccinated and they're not sick, maybe we need to change the protocol a little bit. And maybe that's what'll happen for uh, things outside of sports the or year. the new year. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, this is just a dialogue. We're not trying to make any, not trying to make any sandbox or soapbox, you know, claim, shouting it, calling people dumb or whatever. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that number is uh, alarming to some, but if you really look in deeper, in which we are now getting more information, that that probably 90% of those 120, 130 players didn't even know they had COVID up until the test told them to, right. or the test told right. them. So I don't know. I feel like that's yeah. I feel like that's fair. Um, I think that's fair, and I I agree with your points. I agree with um, what executives are saying, and I think that to further the conversation that we had that Chris and I had last week about the Olympics that given how the league is dealing with this at the moment uh we've been pretty much confirmed that players will not Mm -hmm. be going to China to play um because of the COVID restrictions because of the possibility of staying indefinitely in China for um for either falsely testing positive or being unable to test you know negative um and if if you're in that situation where you do have to go into protocol you would rather do it at home where you can be with your family um so it's one of those things that like i'm pretty disappointed about just um because it'd be fun to have nhl players in the in the league or in the olympics again and um watch that be just like a really electric 
system of games um system of games that's not a good sentence but you know what i mean um so it would be nice to have have them back in the olympics but for all right the the betterment of um what's happening in the in the league and and what the stanley cup playoffs are going to look like it's it's essential that maybe not essential but it's wiser that they don't end up going um which is just really sad well yeah i i think too um it it doesn't make any sense for them to go solely because like we've had an outbreak mm-hmm. that people didn't even know about in all these leagues and i feel like if you're any player who tests positive and they don't even know or they don't have symptoms and you have to stay in china for five weeks no thank you <laughs> no not worth Thanks. the risk. Um, so get those washed up NHLers back in, I guess. But this this is what's the frustrating thing at all, but secures a gold medal for the Olympic athletes from Russia again. Because, right. I mean, Datsuk will probably right. be playing. Kovalchuk will probably be playing. All of these KHL guys will be playing. They don't care if they're in lockdown for five, for five weeks. So, and you don't think that they're going to send their very best. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't know because the, the Russian team is usually a mixture of NHL and KHL players anyway. Right. Um, right. And now you're going to just get your KHL guys and uh, your old, but still, because I'm, I'm pretty confident Pavel Datsuk could do some damage against some scrubs. Oh, he for sure can do some damage. I, I think he could still do damage against some players in oh, the yeah, league. Oh yeah, 100%. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. Uh, this is. I think you're going to see some changes, and uh, the NHL is going to be a little bit trickier because of traveling to Canada. Um, I really want to see what they're going to do with that, um, and I, I think this this could end up working out in the favor for the Canadian teams because you're probably still going to have to test before you cross the border, and if half of your team is Vax or mm-hmm. if well, it's most likely your entire team is vaccinated, um, mm-hmm. and if half of them test positive but are have no symptoms, and it's like, well, I ran six miles yesterday, I felt great. Um, they're right. not going to be able to play, and you're going to have to call up your right. AHL guys, and then you, you may see some discrepancy in the standings, but usually that will result in uh, um, playoffs uh, being uh, the deciding factor, and I think. Because once, mm-hmm. I guess when everybody gets it, you'll have antibodies to fight off your asymptomatic carrier-ness. I, I don't know. So <laughs> We're not doctors. We're not we doctors. don't know. So the fact that it's blowing through, people aren't even getting sick for the NHL and the NBA's side is a good thing. Because then once the playoffs come, your most important time of the year, you're not even going to have to worry about anything. Um, but still, in the meantime, if there's players who hadn't been sick, these new mm-hmm. protocols would be helpful to them. Um, I, I, I saw someone uh, um, report for the NFL, because the NFL is the first to do this, um, that people are going to be incentivized to hide their symptoms if they have them. Um, but if you sound congested and you test positive for COVID, people, people are, are going to know. know. <laughs> or like you can do like, I don't know, like throat checks or something. I, I mean, I've got, I've got, yeah. I've got no clue. Or, or do the old, like, 
give them a shot of vodka or a shot of water and see if they can taste it. Like, I mean, like seriously. <laughs> so like, know. I mean, like you, <laughs> play Russian roulette. It's going to be, it's going to be a little bit like, uh, um, unorthodox probably, but you, you could figure out a way to, to figure out if players are lying or not. So I think, I think that's yeah. an issue that shouldn't be involved per se. Um, mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so, I would but agree. yeah, COVID's, COVID's crazy. We've been dealing with it for three years now. Two, Two years. Feels like four. 40. <laughs> yeah, it's... What are we at? Two yeah. and a half? Uh, not even. Yeah. What is it? 2021? Yeah, we've been dealing it, with it for a We're year and a half. We're going to have to continue to deal not with it, obviously, here in the in the near future. So, um, yep. things are going to... Things will change. Eventually. Yeah. For the better, I hope. <laughs> but... Uh, that's what we're that's praying what, for, that's what we're praying. I, And judging that we're still having games, <laughs> like, because, like, we, we can rewind um, the height of this thing. One NBA player test positive for COVID and four leagues shut down. <laughs> <laughs> we now have right. over 300 athletes in, in health and safety protocols over the four, over the, I guess, mm-hmm. the three major sports that are playing right now. We're still having games, so so Do that we... should show you that there's progress there. <laughs> yeah, right. We've come a little yes. farther. Um, and yeah, a small Tigers update. There nope. is nothing. We're still still in lockout. lockout. Managers are getting hired. Ti- I mean, Tigers can't do anything until they yep. they uh, sign somebody. Um, I did see that. Yeah. Social media teams having a real fun time interacting with the other social yes. media teams. So like. That's fun yes. to watch, but other than that, no, I did see that the Tigers signed a New Zealander to a minor league deal. He's 18 years old. Couldn't tell you his name at all. Okay. I just remember seeing that. Okay. Um, so cool. That's the only. <laughs> that's the only news. So cool. Good for New Zealand, I guess. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Those are them's them's the facts. Them's the thoughts, folks. Yep. No. Anything I'm, else I, you'd like to add? For no, the I'm good. People? I feel like we had a we had a good. I guess maybe intelligent conversation, depending on who's listening about <laughs> our our opinions on how the world is working right now. We could have a very angry uh, comment section, but or we could have nothing like we usually do. <laughs> or we could have nothing. <laughs> That's probably what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. More than that, more likely than that. Alrighty, folks. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you being uh, being here, spending time with us. We hope you all have a happy holidays and a merry Absolutely. Christmas um, and a wonderful beginning to your new year. Uh, we will see you probably the first week of mm-hmm. January. Um, we haven't talked that out yet, but once there's news to share with you, we will be sharing news. So have a good rest of your week, a good holiday season, and we will see you all next Ooh, year. Let's go. Hey everybody. This is Noel. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the CNC replay. Please subscribe and rate us five stars as it really helps us out and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at CNC sports pod. We'll see you next week.